0: and Millie, where a Gen Xer and a millennial, share the strength-based perspective through which they view the world. We are your hosts, Allison and Tess.
1: Hi, Allie.
0: This is the first episode of non-attachment.
1: Of non-attachment, but also new attachments.
0: Yeah, but (laughs) remaining attachment. Yeah. Non-attachment, but remaining attachment. Yeah. Really well-chosen continued connections
1: yeah absolutely
0: Mm.
1: i um i want to give listeners a forewarning that if you hear snoring or uh um sniffles or uh the expelling of air um or any number
0: it's uh, not allison it is not
1: allison (laughs) it's also not tess we are joined by george my pug puppy that I mentioned that I was getting on the last episode, um, he has a very strong anxious attachment style when we talk about emotional attachment.
0: And he sure so does.
1: he must be touching me at all times. Otherwise, he will freak out a little bit. Um, and so, the best way to keep him calm and quiet while we record uh, is to put him in my little baby carrier that I have dog carrier for sure formally um but it's a little uh basically baby carrier with him strapped to my chest so we can uh record
0: <laughs> please get a shot of this right now please <laughs> please take a picture of yourself this is the image listeners i want you to understand <laughs> she is not joking he is well Georgia is my kind of person um i fall in the line of anxiously attached um, and I dearly appreciate his need to be to be in a relaxed state of I am held, I am loved, my life is good, so much so that I I can lean on back and say whatever comes today is whatever comes today. Beautiful.
1: Yep, yep, that's it. Oh my gosh, we'll take a photo of that. So yay.
0: Um, we're, we are gratefully embracing George as part of this new container of Jenna Millie where, um, the departure from teammates has, has happened. Mm Um, I'm one week out, um, in my new adventure as a solo artist. Wow. Um, yeah, I've been part of a band my whole life, so I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm really embracing this, uh, solo artist gig, and it's been expansive already, um, and quite fascinating. I wanted to speak a little bit today about what the experience was like to be honored Mm -hmm. in departure, and what a great gift that was to me, and what I found to be a great gift to others, which was incredible feedback to receive that I hadn't really thought about, Mm -hmm. Um, and also what doing and ending well does. Yeah. And mm. I don't know that we get a lot of opportunities like that. I also don't think I have a lot of opportunities or a lot of um, points in my life where I can claim, hey, I chose well this time. Mm. I I put a lot of thought into the intentionality of what this departure would look like from um, how I told our team to how we were going to tell the constituents I had, constituents, and I had tremendous support in that. I'm very grateful yeah. for that. Yeah. But the ripple effect, I didn't expect so much feedback. So many people came to me and said, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for considering what your departure would feel like for us yeah. and how we got to say that final goodbye. And we got to have um, hugs and celebration. And so I think that'll be a great thing for us to chat about today. And the other was the element of surprise, the mm. um, novelty of not knowing. Yeah. So the, the duality of like, I have this all planned, right? I am planning with intentionality my departure. So I know what this is going to look like. I know how to prepare for it. And then I was surprised mm. by many and the duality of feeling both in a control space but also completely um rattled in such a the best way by the surprises um so i thought i'd share a little bit about the week um i yeah. i went home fully prepared um, for the leaving um i'd had a little bit of a heads up from my children that i should prepare more because i am an emotional being <laughs> i have mentioned this before but my hulu account that they created for me um my name is mom needs to cry and so i was prepped that i should probably consider watching the notebook in advance to get to get do the cry out, out. Oh. i didn't do that i didn't do that so i, I was kind of I not prepared but um went in just expecting opportunity to hug and and say goodbye and that happened all week
1: yeah of course. so
0: I got to dine with my my favorite humans and they said you know where do you want to go to dinner and I got to choose the oven which is one of my favorite mm-hmm. Indian restaurants on the planet um in downtown Lincoln I got to go to Blue Orchid which is one of my favorite Thai mm-hmm. restaurants in, in Lincoln and um just celebrate and it felt really non-woo it felt very relatory. Like, yeah. I don't want... I got to spend time with the everybody, you know, like the big yep. groups of people. And that was awesome and energetic for me. But then, like, it would come down to the the tradition of a, a dinner time. And yeah. I just want to kind of...
1: Your tight circle.
0: Mm-hmm. I did. And mm-hmm. that was so helpful to me. I had no idea how helpful that would be to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we celebrated all week. And by the time we got to Friday, I was so... I was tired
1: Um,
0: but also I I was not anticipating there to be a lifetime achievement award number one because I'm Mm -hmm. not even 50 and number two because it it just came I I wasn't expecting it so um, during the awards part they did this really beautiful video I was telling Tess in the in the green room that I heard the song first the intro she's a rainbow and then I knew before Mm -hmm. I saw anything I heard the music first and I was like well that's that's my song and then this beautiful video Gigi who is a lifelong mentor and my introduction to teammates who really trained me and taught me so much about professionalism in my career she appeared really out of a cloud Um, she'd been hidden I guess for hours Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Gave this beautiful tribute, and it was lovely. One of the most lovely experiences, I think, for sure, of my life. Mm. And um, I've been reflecting on how lucky I was to be able to provide closure. And we don't do that well um, Mm -hmm. as a culture. Sometimes we do in the sense of tradition, but it's often in the sadness or the grief of someone departing from this earth. Yeah. And I've thought a lot about that, that when we do have an opportunity to close or leave well, yeah. why aren't we taking it? Mm-hmm. And I'm very proud of the way that that we did this closure. Yeah. Um, so I thought that would be something that we could talk about today. I also thought it was absolute irony that we would choose to record on a Saturday morning now that I am... In the solo artist world, mm-hmm. and you know, could like do my schedule a little more expansive. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, I know that's why I asked her, how like, we'd always reported during a weekday, and I was like, Right, would you be up for a week?
0: <laughs> <laughs> We <laughs> are changing yeah. this up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would encourage our listeners now that Jen and Millie are truly Jen and Millie solo artists in a lot of ways. What would you like to hear us talk about?
1: Unfiltered, <laughs> unrestrained. We've well, always been unfiltered. But yeah.
0: Solitude yeah. solo artists.
1: Mm-hmm. That come together for a duo, for once in a while. Mm-hmm. Collaboration. A duet. And a trio sometimes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. And I think a lot about, like, and I know that we talked here, like, when I left as well like it there was a intentional mindful departure on my part and that's something that i really wanted when i left as well and so it was really really awesome to witness your departure from afar um i got i was really grateful people reached out to include me in components of your departure of your closure um And I I think it's interesting you, and maybe this is a bit too, like, specific, but you use the term, you've been using the term departure Mm -hmm. versus closure. And Mm -hmm. I think about the word closure, right, especially when it comes to, like, the mentoring space, right? Like, we both are no longer directly mentoring practitioners, right, necessarily. But closure is such an important part of the mentoring process right like that is a relationship that does come to a formal end at some point in time right Um, if you're in a formal mentoring relationship and so but we still don't do closure well even though it's been proven and studied and the research shows us how important closure is right to affirm all parties in the relationship to acknowledge the work that was done and it's just kind of like an echo of this idea that you're presenting of like you and teammates and your community closed out your time really well this last week. Like you had a great closure because you were affirmed, they were affirmed, you got time, right? Uh, So many of the crucial elements of good departure and good closure were there. Right. Um, And I think, you're right that there, you know, unless someone, you know, is formally departing this earth right there, which is, you know, still hard, but we have rituals for that. And we don't always have rituals in place for other types of departures. But also, it makes me think that we don't always have the resources, the time and the space to put all of those pieces into place that make for a good departure, right? Like I think about in the context of a relationship, right? That, both parties don't necessarily want the departure right or the closure um there might not be time something might trigger or catalyze that closure right so you don't have the ability to put all of those pieces into place and i think when you know funeral rituals notwithstanding other examples of departures that have been done really well I think about examples in both of our lives have been ones where time and energy was put into thinking through how to best close right
0: right and with logic the emotional space to be logical about it Mm -hmm. and that that takes time yeah
1: um
0: I love so much of what you just said, and it made me think about choice. It also made me think about the only choice I really have is mine. Mm -hmm. So having, choosing the word departure, I don't know that I realized how intentional that was because I actually don't do endings well at all. Mm. I have a tendency to linger and to hold on, and closure is very difficult for me. Yeah. Departure mm-hmm. to me, probably even subconsciously sounded like I go on
1: yeah.
0: and continue to cheer on. Closure sounds like done.
1: And,
0: and yeah. um, I've received a lot of feedback about that actually recently. So, um, I have chosen to end the relationship that I was in for about six months, which was such a model to me of choices. Um, Rich being a person who's walked through 20 years of sobriety, um, being a person who has endured a lot in his life, and I've just, I, I learned a lot about choice. I don't get to choose how he responds to yeah. the ending mm-hmm. so I've had this joy in my life of being able to continue to be forever friends in many of my relationships so there's not an end point yeah. for it's example tricky. I mean my kid's dad and I mm-hmm. have a really strong friendship and um, collaboration that's not for everyone yeah. and I think I went into the closure of the relationship expecting him to have the same, yeah, we'll still be friends. Of course, that's what we do, right? Yeah. That's that's not necessarily my, well, not necessarily. It's absolutely not my choice. And mm. to sit with someone else's choice on on that and, and to love and respect someone enough to accept it yeah. and to be kind enough to allow the letting go mm. and what's necessary for that. I think that's such an important part. I also, I realize that many people in the world and in teammates would have loved to have had the opportunity that I did. And I don't take that for granted. And I am ridiculously, ridiculously grateful that I was allowed the space to say goodbye. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the the people who came up and said, you know, thank you because you represent this organization. Um, We, we chatted a little bit about this in the green room too. Like, I think sometimes it was less about me as a person and more about me looking like the house of teammates, the foundation of teammates, because I endured, I stayed, I demonstrate agape affirmation Mm -hmm. and vision. And I think, had that gone differently, it could have been very rattling to a number of our constituents when you think about, I mean, yeah. all of these amazing people who gift their time. Yeah. I mean, what a, mm-hmm. what a testament to engagement. We are honoring the people who are retiring. Zoe, who's been the program coordinator in Crete for as long as I've been part of teammates, and yeah. I think even beyond that. And, you know, to think about the gift of someone's time, particularly from the volunteer aspect, not because you have to, but because you want to speak so much to Mm engagement. Hearing from those amazing hearts and souls about my departure and how that affected them, I was stunned at the emotional energy that I was holding in addition to experiencing my own. Again, I don't get to choose how that impacts them. I can only hope that by doing so in person and by doing so with thoughtfulness, it felt better than an abrupt goodbye. Hmm.
1: That's awesome. Do you feel like there's anything you would change or do differently in hindsight?
0: How I originally told Des Moines Hmm. I would change. And I've owned that with him. Des Moines was, um, my boss for a number of years and he doesn't like that word. So if you're listening, Des Moines, sorry, there it is again. I would have handled that differently in the way that I told him I would have spent more time acknowledging his feelings about it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I hope that we've made some reparation around that, um, And I I have to tell you, Tess, that a lot of our listeners were in the room Mm, um, this past week with me talking about you Mm. and what you said on the last episode, your vulnerability, Mm. your willingness, and um, your authenticity you know, when we started this, that was our why.
1: Yeah.
0: And I, I witnessed that in our last episode in a way that I can't even, I can't even find words for, Mm. but other people did in sharing with me. And I thought back to, you know, feedback is everywhere. We don't know Mm. who's listening. We don't know Mm. who's watching. We don't know who's learning. And so the question, would I do anything differently? I I paused enough to receive feedback that helped me to think about that. And I had the opportunity maybe to make some reparation
1: mm-hmm.
0: that this could have completely gone differently. Yeah. And so the gift of perspective, um, should we choose to have it? is really remarkable. Mm-hmm. So today, where you sit now, in perspective on endings, closure, mm-hmm. life with George, who is just, I mean, y'all, he is out. He, it's like truly it's really an infant in her arms. I don't even know how to describe mm-hmm. it. But yes, please get a picture and share that on our, our Insta. I as you reflect now and perspective now, do you have different viewpoints of closure, different viewpoints of of departure? It's, mm. it's ever expanding.
1: It totally is. And I think uh, so much of our perspectives on it and... I mean, you know me, the academic, like, I want to read about it. I want to research, like, what's, you know, I even cited research earlier, right? Like, that mentor has done on closure. But I think so much of doing it well is reflecting on when we close and what we would have done differently or when we depart, what we would have done differently, what we would have changed. Um, I think the things I'm learning and I'm being reminded of more and more is... You know, as someone who has lived their life by themselves as an independent person for, you know, most of their adult life, like, I think I keep getting reminded of the fact that so, like, closure always involves other people and we're not responsible for other people's reactions to our closure, right? And I think that even your note when I asked you what you would have done differently around, like, I would have you know, told Des Moines differently, I think is part of us both having high individualization, right? Mm -hmm. Part of like, and I, and I would say, and like wanting to honor other people in our choices that we're making to depart or to close a season or a chapter. But I would even push back on that because there are people we can do our best to honor other people. And as people with high individualization, we're naturally going to default to that. But closure is hard and departure is difficult. And so no matter what you do, there will never be a perfect departure because there's always grief in the process, right? There's always a loss because there's change when departure happens and when closure happens. And so those feelings are naturally gonna arise. So even if you would have, I don't know, spent more time, said things slightly differently, heard him out a little bit more, there probably would have been feelings because he respects you and loved working with you and you two were partners in a lot of massive upheaval within the organization and you led the organization through that like in a joint way in so many ways and so I don't know you could have maybe made some changes but I don't know that there would have been like a perfect way that would have made it easy for you to leave for him right and so that's the part that more and more, and even reflecting on my own recent closure of relationship, like I, there are things that I wish I would have done differently. There are things that I wish were different. But as I said on the last episode, I don't regret anything that I did, and I don't know that I would have done anything differently. The things that I wish were different was the reactions of the other party, their responses, the lack of conversation, the lack of closure coming from other parties involved. And I think that was, that's the hard part about it, is that it always involves other people. It always involves other stakeholders. And you can't always, you can't, you can never, not you can't always, you can never control how they respond. And so part of closure and part of departure that, maybe isn't always talked about is like acceptance of whatever their reaction is like not thinking through the ways in which I could have done things differently. So they responded differently.
0: Yes. Right. It's
1: acceptance that they responded the way they responded because there's change that's happening. So there's grief involved, there's loss. And so part of the closure and departure process on my part of processing through those feelings is accepting
0: their response to it. And that's loving kindness truly um i have this real uh real need to fix and to try to modify things somehow that make them better right and i i have a hard time sometimes sitting with the reality of this is not mine to fix control would be another maybe a better term i introduced myself recently as my top five strengths are control 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 um i also tess i i thought of our conversation a lot like there's so much fogginess in an ending that has been your reality that becomes what you know to be true the just the new the the simplicity of you know, this is my person who greets me in the morning, mm-hmm. whether that's text or in person, or this is my person who I share everything with, or this yeah. is my person that I come home to tell things to. And the stark duality for me when I returned yeah. from days in the spotlight mm-hmm. to absolute silence when I walked yeah. in here and I did not have my person to share things with, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I wanna be clear, I I have many people mm-hmm. in my life yeah, yeah, who yeah, love yeah. and support me that I can share yeah. things with. But there's a difference, right? So when yeah. you yeah. you're your person. Mm-hmm. And I was absolutely um, I mean it hit me like a Mac track, to be quite mm-hmm. honest. It was like being surrounded by humans yeah. and what I typically find as recharge in coming home to quiet. I was overwhelmed with the quiet yeah. and there was a lot of you know love and adoration and appreciation and you know Allison you've done these great things and then to come home and feel lack of love yeah, was quite startling and something I wrote about something I'm still processing through. It's like the duality of being known to many, but not held by mm-hmm. one. And appreciated by many, but not in partnership with one. And it's gotten me really curious as always. And I love that part of my natural input and I'm grateful for it. It's gotten me really curious about narratives. Yeah. And I, I dearly love my friend Katie. I talk about her a lot. She's my lifelong friend. And our, the relationship that we have has, has so many seasons. But I've been, I, I chat with her about some of these things that I contemplate, and I'm very lucky to have that. But um, it, it is so fascinating to be, for me, a person who has lived nothing traditionally. There's not one mm-hmm. aspect of my life that's traditional but yet i somehow think not having traditional is not okay mm. and that's that's clearly a narrative i have to work through and then also what the hell is traditional anymore
1: yeah,
0: yeah. and yeah. i don't want it mm-hmm. i don't want traditional traditional has never served me it's and it's it's not been my life yeah. um so the departure from of last week has turned into great learning and opening for this week. And such an opportunity for me to have looked back and say, Oh, I've been so lucky to witness this growth. And now I am so lucky to grow and both teammates and me are going to grow. And I believe that.
1: I love that. And I think that's such a good, like, Gosh, that's such a wise point of and I apologize, I forgot to note um the licking sounds as well (laughs) that might come because buddy here just woke up from a nap and so decided to lick everything in addition to his uh um sneezes and things. But um but I think this um I think this idea of um what is traditional and as a social scientist, right? I know you uh, as a sociologist as well, like you would join me in saying that there is no such thing as traditional, right? Like we're not anthropologists, right. we don't say tradition or ritual, right? In the same way that what is named or labeled as traditional, like the traditional family or traditional life course, right? Is actually a more suitable term is what's normative, right? Like what's, expected what is normed in our society of like it is quote-unquote normal right to get married and have kids and you know whatever it might be stay in a job forever like you know whatever like we can fill in the blanks right and unfortunately like so many people don't fit into the boxes that we norm society based on and i know that i've mentioned it here like i criticized my church in omaha in so many ways because they would like advertise like courses or workshops of like per couple per family pricing. And I said, what you're doing is you're norming the fact that like, that's how people should be. And what you're doing is you're actually then disenfranchising single people from joining or people that have lost a partner, but still want to take this financial course. Right. But don't have a spouse to take it with. So the per couple pricing doesn't work for them in the same way. So Right. yeah so I think that's like important to note, um like in so many ways is what we these societal expectations are based on, yeah, yeah, in a lot of ways bullshit, well, right? like what? absolutely <laughs> you know
0: absolutely i um i I also think that it, it is important for me to note that I have learned so much in this in the last six months and being with a um a person who is self-aware and a person who who knows who they are I think you know I've heard the terminology from in social science and from a lot of psychologists around healing in relationship Mm. and I think this is this was a really pure example of that in which I was able to actually not just heal in solitude as I often do, but I was able to heal in relationship. And that part was a surprise to me. And Mm -hmm. as I kind of was coming to the realization that neither of us were, were growing and it was actually not going to, I knew, I think we both knew it was not working. The reality of that I could come back to this limits growth. Mm. This limits your growth. This limits my growth. We're not actually growing. And in the same vein, and the same time that that's happening with my career.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. I, I mean, I was just like, this is a, a really pure example of having healed and grown in a relationship, but then I witnessed that we were growing out of it. And of course that's what you would want for someone, right? If it's not, if it's not the right fit and they're not growing, you would want them to depart. Yeah. And if you are not growing or you don't feel the organization is growing with you or because of you, Mm -hmm. you know, it's time. And I, I'm not trying to be um, abundantly philosophically credible or give my, toot my horn too much here, but that part is freaking hard.
1: So my question is, how do you know? Like, how did you know that the organization that it was the right time to depart, right? Especially in, I think this is where, while there are a lot of parallels in our recent departures, and I can reflect back to my departure from teammates, there are also stark differences. I was leaving to start a program that had a definitive start date, that I had to be located in a different city. Like I had this immediate entrance after my departure. That helped me to decide when and in what way I was going to depart you have more ambiguity right because you weren't you are definitely entering into a new season not to say that you aren't you know like but do you see the difference here I'm like this is where I'm like I'm wondering right like I could plan my I'm like, we joke on here. Like, I told my boss at the time, Jen, right, two and a half years in advance, I gave her my notice, right? Like, I know this is my plan. I want to start a PhD program at this time. You know, if I get accepted, like, this is when I would be leaving the organization. Like, I knew and had a time frame that I could then plan my departure around. You referenced in both the relationship departure and the teammates departure of like just knowing that there is no longer growth or the organization needs to grow without you. That's okay. We're just in a hole. <laughs> Sorry everybody for the yeah, background noise on she both of our nice. places. <laughs> both of our both of our places Sorry. today. This is just not not our best sound episode, but great great conversation. So, I'm wondering like, okay, so it might be hard to describe because of the strategic, because of the gut stuff, but like what were some of the signals like, what were some of the clues that you picked up on that you knew that your time was approaching or that your time was there to depart? Tess, hmm.
0: it's integrity.
1: Tell, describe that more.
0: Well, you modeled it. You modeled it for me. You've modeled that word for me in a thousand ways, but you you modeled integrity, <clears throat> particularly in your departure. Hmm. I could feel in my body when I was out of my integrity and I finally Mm. started to name it. I I finally started getting curious about what am I feeling in my body that I don't feel right. Something is Mm. off. It was when I was, I would come back to what is the right thing to do. And I don't want easy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it'd be great. Jeez, that would be awesome. (laughs) A few things could be easy, but I don't. I'm not going to settle for easy if it's not within my integrity. And I felt myself out of balance with Mm -hmm. my own integrity. And the more I started feeling that in my body, in different moments, both in the departure from teammates and the ending of the relationship with Rich, Mm -hmm. I could feel in my body. This is not. I'm not doing the right thing here. And although it would have been easier to, to maybe modify or talk myself into, Oh, it's okay. You know, it wasn't. And so doing the right thing, both for what you know, to be true as integrity for yourself, but doing an integrous act on behalf of someone else, is really hard, mm.
1: yeah.
0: Really hard, mm. and it hurts, and it is painful, and it is lonely, and it is um, feels uh, like a quiet island sometimes. Yeah. But I really knew it, and you have exemplified that word mm. to me time and time again. So yeah, when you, when you even started to ask that question, I was like, it's into integrity and I would love to believe that most people in the world walk around knowing and feeling in their body when they're out of, out of their values. Yeah. I hope that they do. I hope that they name it. I could no longer practice my preach or preach my practice.
1: Mm.
0: I, I wasn't growing. so thank you for modeling that for me oh my gosh many times over and again that word integrity always comes up i think in our in our recordings thankfully yeah but um you know truly i think what the, one of the definitions i've heard of integrity is when you do you know when when no one is looking right yeah when you're still choosing to be in alignment, when your values are, or do the right thing when no one is looking. And like we've talked about truth being relative, we've about what's right or wrong being relative. But mm. I believe that, um, my soul sometimes just speaks through a lot of different messages and I'm grateful for that. But the walk in an integrous act is one of alone capital yeah. life. Mm. And so returning here as I talked about the duality of the cheers and the, the tears and the, you know, abundant spotlight to come back here to absolute silence and solitude. I knew that was integrous as as painful and hard as it yeah. was. And I was like, this is where you really show up in integrity. Is there's, there is no one to cheer for you right now in this moment, mm-hmm. you are going to be Mm. your own cheerleader and you are going to grow and you're going to practice what you preach and you're going to walk with what you ask other people to do.
1: Mm. So
0: that inner voice, um, she's quite loud.
1: And I'm glad that you mentioned that. Sorry, Hughes. We are are on an adventure over here. So thank you listeners for bearing with us. Um, We, uh, George is a little bit of a, in addition to being anxiously attached, a little bit of an attention whore, as I've been calling him, it's if I'm not paying attention directly to him, he just, you know, and he's not asleep. He just freaks out, which is currently what he's doing. So I apologize for the background noise listeners. Um, but I think to circle back to what you were saying, I think, and here's where the, the component of like trying to operationalize and dissect what that means because not everyone that's listening is going to say, that feeling in my body or my alignment with my values, like some of these things that you have said, Allie, and that brings us back to like the undergirding message of this podcast, which is that self-awareness is incredibly underrated. The reason that you know that you're out of alignment with your values, the reason that you know that something doesn't feel right in your body is when you become aware To the utmost of who you are how you function what your best self looks like when you're not in your best self what your values are those sorts of things all these things that we have walked through and talked through time and time again in these conversations right what you did in discerning that it was time to depart was putting all of those things into practice was saying this is what i know to be true about myself and about who i am and about what my values are And what I know is that something needs to shift, that it is time to make a change. And then you exercise that choice to make that change when you knew that the time was right because of that, right? Because of all the work that you have done decades over, right? Um, To know who
0: you are and where your best self comes from. And I think that is a great, a great note here for why we do this podcast if we are all lucky enough to have conversations that prepare us for the big decisions with people that we trust, yeah. people that we respect, people whose voices help give example, uh, we should all do more of that. And I was thinking back in the video, you're everywhere you know, in the video, and I was thinking about how, because of age and the Jenna Millie component of this, I think I thought I would be just always witnessing your growth, right? Which mm-hmm. I did. I mean, I would just, abundant growth. And, you know, they, there's a clip in the video that um, Elena, our, our teammates marketing intern, made of our final Jen and Millie, what we thought was the final, but not really the mm-hmm. final, yeah. um, that we recorded <laughs> live. And, you know, I was just in awe of your growth. And then I was thinking about how every one of these conversations have helped me grow. Mm-hmm. And that you have witnessed my growth, that growth is yeah. not um, limited to your generation or your age or your season. Yeah. Um, one of my coaching clients said to me, his phrase is, if you're not climbing, you're camping. Hmm. And he said, and there's always, you should always camp, you know, every once in a while, you're tired and you need to rest. but." you know, what does the climb look like? we talked about this here. What's in your backpack? What are your tools? Mm-hmm. But I was thinking you, I'm lucky that you are a witness to my climb as fortunate as I am to witness yours. Yeah. And every one of these conversations has helped me be prepared for the big decisions that I need to make. Yeah. So I'm hoping that our listeners have someone in their life that they get to prepare with. Mm -hmm. And they get to dialogue with so that when the big decisions come it's there's a knowing that you have because you've done the self-awareness conversations because you've had the dialogues about the hard things um, it helps us to prepare when in in whatever departure closure ending you're ready
1: So as we
0: wrap up, what do we want to leave listeners with? I think our listeners are so good at creating their own question Mm. and observation. I would love to hear from them what questions sparked in their own soul, in their own contemplation. You know, when we hear... Part of the reason I continue and love to do this is that I hope that other people hear it and go out, yeah. and the ripple effects of that matter. You know, They have mm-hmm. conversations with people that they love and respect, but I would love to hear from them. What did mm-hmm. this, what questions did this drum up from them? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's great.
0: Hmm.
1: What questions did this drum up for you? Hmm. Okay. Well, that is fabulous we will leave listeners with that so we are excited to hear from you all we would love to to hear the questions that this sparked and also i would add like what what topics do you want us to talk about in the future right like i feel like i you know we know that we are we are wide open as we mentioned earlier both having in being in this season um in a lot of ways of, of unattachment um and so what are topics or conversations that you would would like us to process through um in this space um so with that being said we want to thank you all for tuning into the chaotic episode of 109 between <laughs> a uh fighting puppy plans tech issues all ice maker. of the things ice maker running and all of these things um we appreciate you sticking with us if you made it this far <laughs> if you enjoyed today's conversation consider sharing this episode with a friend maybe with the warning of the chaos that it was um but we appreciate it and to interact with us and share your responses to the questions that we pose we would love to hear from you we know so many of you listen but we don't always get to hear your perspective so please let us know what questions did this spark and what further conversations would you like us to have uh, in this space. Uh, One of the best ways to do that is by reaching out to us on Instagram and giving us a follow at at Jen and Millie. That's at G-E-N-N-A-N-D-M-I-L-L-I-E. Until next time.